podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening and welcome to The Chelsea. Fresh from our exploits on Five Live, where we wowed the world. It's myself, Kerry Levy, Andy Saunders. Hello. 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 And Mr. Gary Hayes. Hola. Hola. <laughs> ¿Qué tal, hombre? Uh, That's as far as it you goes. You stumped me. Okay. okay, there we go. That was our international class. You can speak Spanish to me. I speak Spanish. Do you? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to right now, because I don't want to say something rude, because... All my my Spanish is from Los Calles de Andalucía. Deme un bocadillo de jamón. Ah, oh, qué estupendo, hombre. Do you know what that means? Please no, tell me. Give me a ham sandwich. Oh, I, I speak French. I speak Which Spanish. Which is a euphemism, <coughs> of course. <laughs> Deme un bocadillo de queso. You know what that is? Give me a beer. No, give me a cheese give sandwich. Cheese. Oh, look, I'm all over the sandwich. You are yeah. all over the sandwich. And you don't drink beer, although... Didn't you have a bit of a mishap yeah, last got, week? Got drunk on Saturday. He got drunk on Saturday. Oh. This is a man who hasn't drunk well since he went out years. with me. Twenty years. European Cup Winners Cup final. Yeah. With myself and a few others. Stockholm. Yeah. I wonder I, why um, you were getting aggressive with me actually on social media. Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't worry, that ain't finished. <laughs> no. That's not finished. We haven't finished that yet, Gary. Uh. Um, I I drank a I drank because I, I drink non-alcoholic beer, which I like, and there's all sorts of brilliant non-alcoholic beer you can get. And I'll do a little plug for drydrinker.com if anybody wants non-alcoholic beer because they do craft beer from around the world. Most craft beers, most big breweries do a non-alcoholic version now and it's all pretty good. It's moved on a bit since Barbican, all-free lager. and um, Caliber. Caliber, yeah. It's moved on a bit since then. But anyway, I, I have all my beer in a particular place and one of my, I think one, either one of my sons or my wife has put a bottle of beer in there that is not non-alcoholic and I necked it on Saturday night and uh, felt a bit peculiar, got a bit giggly. Looks at the label, 4.9% alcohol, which, you know, doesn't sound a lot, but if you haven't had a drink for 20 years, it blew my brains out. So, <laughs> and, yeah. And what did you do? Were you in shock? I quite enjoyed it. You did? I so thought, nothing I can do about it. I've never been enjoy. home since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got a funny story about Calibre. When we, um, we went on a school trip to France, and we thought we'd conned the guy in the offie. We went, oh, look, we'll see if we can buy some beer. And we, we grabbed it, and the guy was like, oh, we, we, yeah. We bought him, we're like, yes, we got outside, we're drinking it, like, oh, are you feeling it? And then we realised it was non-alcoholic. There we go, some little... Uh, oh, that was it. <laughs> Peter Burry and kids on tour. That's what happens <laughs> Not when quite. You're, you're, you're wild and from there, you know. <laughs> from the fens. But anyway, so th- this we fens. should... With the, from the fens, the flatlands <laughs> of the fens, where it's all a bit deliverance-like. Um, anyway, I suppose we should leave the food and drink special for a while, and we'll return to it later, but... Uh, so where have we got to start? I suppose it's uh, back to Sunday, 4.30. Been a cracking weekend up till then, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, eight points clear at the top of the Premier League on 55 points after that result. Arsenal on 47 in second, Spurs on 46 and Liverpool on 45 in third and fourth, uh, respectively. I mean, some, some brilliant results, weren't they? Liverpool lost to Swansea, Man City and Spurs drew, Man United drew at Stoke. Only Arsenal sneaked a win in the 98th winning. And only Arsenal escape the wrath of any pundit on match of the day when they do something wrong. 
Why did they not mention Wenger and his disgraceful behaviour? Imagine if that had been a Chelsea manager. They didn't even mention it. They didn't even say, and he was sent off, sent to the stands and pushed Anthony Taylor over, which is probably one of the worst things you can do as a manager in this day Mm. and age. And he called the referee a cheat. Yeah. I think you'll get a retrospective ban for that. How many games did you ban him for? I'd ban him for six, but he'll probably get three. Okay, Gary? Well, he pushed the fourth official and Decanio got an 11-game ban for pushing over... Um... Depardieu got a, uh, a fairly substantial ban, didn't he, for pushing... Uh, was it Myler? Yeah, when they, had, when they faced up with each other. So I think he should go down... They should go down to Decanio. Go really down, he should him. just go down. It's not down. the first time that he's been pushed Jose. Do you remember that? Mm. And flicked his tie. And I think mm. he didn't square up to uh, someone else on the top. Pardew. He had the dust up with yeah. Pardew. Yeah, yeah. So he has a rap know, sheet. He's got a, he has a rap sheet and he four. gets away with it because apparently yeah. he's very intelligent. I don't want to talk about him. Anyway. No, but I just, <laughs> I'm just going to say I think he should go down is a great idea forever. If not, a 12-game ban. So there you go. Mm. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so Hull, we're all in a nice buoyant mood, even with Arsenal winging it at the end. It was an interesting game. It was... Well, you're probably going to tell us the team. He was back. He was, yeah. So uh, Diego Costa uh, came back after his back injury. And uh, almost after 10 seconds, could have written every back page for the next week, really. Um, Lovely sort of volley uh, straight from the kickoff, which uh, flew past the post. But signalled his intent early doors and I think slotted in like he'd never been away. Well, you know... Sorry to interrupt. What I was going to say about that, that effort as well is, um, I don't know if you've re- seen the way they're playing, that they seem to be trying more on set pieces now. And from kickoff, they have certain routines that they run. I don't know if that's the players doing it or Conte, because it was a very clear tactic in that pe- the moment they kicked off, Pedro made that run and they were looking for the flick off for Costa to be sat in the hole to have that shot. Very nearly came off. And then against um, Leicester, you had that free kick routine where Pedro put it wide as well in the first half. And they seem to be, it's always been a bugbear of mine that you've got these intelligent, uh, capable players in dead ball situations and they never do enough with it. And now suddenly they're trying things. Yeah, it, it, that, that's an interesting point. I, I was talking to my son at the game and I was saying, you know... Having, He's wildly more intelligent than you are. <laughs> well, he's certainly about football. And uh, as William kind of, uh, not William, uh, as Pedro hit the first man for the fourth time, you know, from a corner again... And I said to him, sabermetrics, you know what sabermetrics is? It's what they do in baseball, where, uh, I don't know if you've seen the film Moneyball, uh, and it's all about this thing called sabermetrics, where they look at the statistics and uh, the the analysis of players' performances, and they buy players based on the statistical analysis. And I said, would it, would it be interesting, could you buy a player based on sabermetrics just to take set pieces? Would you buy, for example, James Ward-Prowse, or a, a player like that, um, I mean, obviously, Rory Delat was an example of that for his throw-ins. One of the only, only reasons he was in the team was because that was such a devastating weapon. Maybe not for Chelsea, but it, would other players buy a player just for the dead ball situations? Because it can be a, a very, very potent weapon. And the, only, the only thing, again, and Kerry, we, and, sorry to be And, and we're not great at it. I mean, although, obviously, we we'll come and talk about Fabregas's uh, beautiful little dink for Cahill's goal. Generally, we're not great at dead ball situations. The, the only thing with that money ball in, in football to go off the point from Chelsea is that obviously it's all set for they got to hit first bases because they the more first bases they hit the more runs they end up getting. Whereas I think football there's so many things you there's a lot you more have variables. Consider, in yeah, football. exactly. That yeah. if said players are good 
you know, dead ball specialist, but he's rubbish elsewhere. You'd, I only, said it, I only said it half seriously. But, I mean, there, there is a point, you know, where, where you, you know, you, you look at the amount of dead ball situations that we, we mess up. waste. Yeah. We absolutely waste. We How many corners we waste. I would First say as man. well, though, a big thing for that is that you, you talk about the, the free kick from Fabregas. It might sound silly, but a lot of players complain about the, um, the run-up they have for corners and that there's not enough pitch space. Because well, they're at on, Chelsea in particular, yeah, and just just stadiums in general, and that yeah. they haven't got enough pitch space. Where I'd like didn't seem to hurt Payet, James Ward-Prowse, some of those other players that are able to do it week in week out. Yeah, but it, it depends what stadium where they're doing it. I'd, I'd really like to see the stats on, for instance, at the Olympic Stadium where they've got more run up in terms of corners who's who's uh, missing the first man because they don't have enough run up. They're running on three um, G pitches and then standing on grass, so it's a different surface to hit it. So I think there's there's an issue there. And then you see the delivery that Fabregas made when he's got a run-up and he can position himself better and it's, it's all about the technique and he can put a ball in like he did for Cahill. So well, it's an interesting point. Yeah, I'll certainly take that, take that under advisement. I think that's an interesting point. So uh, going back to Costa as well, I mean, I, I love listening to Conte. I, I love listening to him all the time because... A lot of the time, it's the same sort of thing coming out, but it's always a little twist. And I loved it when it came out afterwards that, you know, it's down to me to choose when a player comes back into a side and I have to get that right. So I'd actually like my credit for getting this one right, right now for bringing him back today. And, you know, because it's quite an interesting thing. We played fantastically without him last week, but it just didn't deter Conte from the fact is if the whole thing was an injury, guess what? Costa is is injury free now. He goes straight back into the side because we prefer to play with him in that side. And I, I just thought it was a real insight into the way he views his relationship with Costa. And it's the team comes first, and nothing else matters. Well, you and I went on Radio Five Live, didn't, didn't we, before the game? Uh, and we did you hear us, Gary? Did you? Did you? Did you? Did oh, you I called, can I just say I about called Alex, Kerry, and Alex. Did you? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so, so that, that lawyer's letters in. So <laughs> when I got you on Bleach Report on video, you didn't tell anyone about it. And now you're on Five Live. It's all I've seen and heard. It's like on social media, you're talking about it now. So well, you know, know what it's like. Five Live, Bleach Report. Oh, all right. I, I always go on about the Bleach Report. <laughs> yeah. Five Live's an important media platform, uh, <laughs> You were big in America. <laughs> but what we were, saying, we were saying, well, they were asking us about Costa, weren't they? And we were saying, you know, that, you know, the club had handled it incredibly well and one of the reasons that he was able to come back in so seamlessly was that there was no drama around it there was no histrionics there was nobody throwing their toys out of plan nobody really knew what had gone on you know we had to take it on in good faith that there was an injury um i think most of us knew that it was probably a combination of injury and china or something um but i think what we also said was that as long as he comes on the pitch gives us 100 percent, respects the shirt when he's wearing it Nobody's got any problem with that. And I think he came on and did, did all of those things when he came on and, you know, got the, um, got the applause that he deserved. And also, you know, for me, the only thing that's come out of Costa in that whole time was one Instagram message, which is, come on, you Chelsea, with a big blue heart. You know, mm. it's not exactly rebellious. Maybe things are going on, but I think the one thing we should get across is I really think Chelsea have handled themselves well here. In the past, we've seen situations escalate sorry i did just say that no i know but that what i'm saying is we've seen in the past things have escalated out of control mm. and they haven't necessarily handled things well have you noticed because you're down at chelsea yeah. quite a bit have you noticed a difference in the atmosphere there's more more relaxation about yeah. it or or how and do you it, see it? It, it comes down to to one man the manager i think that with he sets the tone yeah exactly you know um the, the chelsea press team are all affable guys, you know, 
get along with them all really well. They're always willing to help and they do a lot that other clubs don't necessarily do. And sometimes you really feel for them because there'd be managers who are just, they've got their, their agenda and they're going to go and you know spread it regardless of what the club think. And um, Conte's a lot more assured than that. You know, there's stuff that we were talking about earlier on in the season when you said about, you know, he allowed the players to play their system and then when it didn't work, it's like, right, now it's my way. You know, and he seems a bit more forgiving in that sense in terms of he's willing to listen. I think he's and, collaborative. He's a very collaborative. Yeah. He's, not, he's not a dictator, is he? Yeah, ex- I, I think... That well, there, until there, he needs to be, already. Exactly. No, I think he is. And it's almost a case of he proves himself right, but not through ego and throwing his toys out the pram. He proves himself right through yeah, method respect, and behaviour. Yeah. And he seems and thoughtful, it. doesn't he? he? He comes in and he doesn't do the Brian Cluffing of you guys have won nothing until I've come here, now we're all going to do it my way. He comes in, he's a bit more affable and you know he's got the players on side and I think that you just see the way he's dealt with the whole situation where he diffused it. And um, Well, I think also as well, I mean, that's an interesting point about club because he couldn't say that because this is a team that, you know, less than 18 months before had won the Premier League title. They'd had a disastrous season, but most of the players in that team were winners of one sort or another. Yep. So I think there was a, a, an equal level of respect that needed to be earned there. Um, and I think in some ways the fact that he came into what you could say was a failing side or certainly below their... Um, you know, but below the, the expectations, that kind of dual level of respect that had to be earned has worked really well, and yeah. they both respect each other. See, so what I'd say is, I think that um, you can only say it ninety nine percent certainty, but the the fallout between him and Costa definitely happened. Um, I think that the China stuff was became a byproduct of that. I think you know, reading between the lines in terms of you know, Conte's never denied that it didn't happen. He just hasn't faced up to the fact that it did with the press. You know, he's speaking about the injury. He's not saying that Costa did X, Y and Z because he, he doesn't want to give those details away because he wants to deal with it in the dressing room. And by doing that, he's killed the story a bit. Costa's back scoring goals and Chelsea looking better off for it. I think we've said it before, haven't we? The fact is that anybody that thinks that elite global footballers like Diego Costa are, have any level of loyalty are deluded. We cannot expect them to have loyalty. They didn't grow up with the club. They didn't grow up supporting the club. Their family didn't. They're not, it's not hardwired into their DNA like it is with us. The fact of the matter is they're here for a set period of time. They have to respect the shirt. They have to give the performances on the speech. 100% commitment. If they do that, that's fine. You know, If yeah. at the end of the season there's a desire for Costa to move somewhere else, as long as Chelsea are recompensed for it and uh, the transition is smooth and we find someone of, of, of equal or better quality to replace him, I don't have a problem with that. Also as well, on, on the argument that this happened in, in terms of you know, Conte standing by his uh, you know, member of the medical team, you know, Costa's debating his injury of him, etc., etc., and the diagnosis. But I think that in any industry anyway talented people have arguments you know and they are falling out and you know there's so many great bands out there that have fallen out and then got back together and produced great music you know not to put myself on that level the amount of arguments I've had with editors and and all the rest of it but it just doesn't get blown on the back of you arguing you're a pussycat aren't you (laughs) yeah and I'm I'm sure Kerry when he's been making his documentaries has created differences about we need this shot or you know, you well, he's doing just a prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in PR. If he's so. latte, well, exactly. if he's latte, he's not there when he well, arrives. Yeah, I don't but, like but, a latte. But, but, What's the point? But it, these I bet you have a, a frappa chappuccino, don't you, or something? <laughs> a black Americano man myself. Oh, I yeah. are. Oh, you're, you're, the, you're the nails. <laughs> anyway, we Why should... were you looking at your phone? I've just got something to do I think he's looking up what Frappuccino meant. <laughs> Frappuccino. <laughs> oh, that's that's what Andy drinks. <laughs> anyway, we must cut to a break from our commercial sponsors.
When it comes to a software vendor audit, you need to park the bus. Call 0203-817-4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. And welcome back. Andy just asked me in the break if I was just looking up stats on my phone because, you know, he gets very possessive about stats. No, I was, I was looking up. Um, I thought we'd have a little quiz today. Um, and I think I'd like you to see if you can guess what this song may be. Dry, me a desert hymn, no time to have you lurking. Him, I go act like him, no like it. You know I dealt with you the nicest. Do you what know what, what have we got to do? Guess what that song is. Was that the song that Costa was listening to when he was playing with his dogs on Instagram? It could have been. It's actually Work by Rihanna. So, right. Oh. Right. Oh, yeah. and he's not looking at... Uh, you know. Everybody knows this. Well, well, yeah, but not everybody knows that you had a... Okay, so I was on Eggheads, all right? <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. Right. Eggheads. So, I was on, on Eggheads. Live, the episode, egg the, oh, he hasn't been on Bleacher for the, ep- the episode of Eggheads that I was on went out on Friday. And uh, we should prelude this by saying I knocked Barry out of Eggheads in my individual round. There you go. Barry the Brain. Who's Barry? Uh, knocked him out. Is this available on iPlayer? It's on the iPlayer, yeah. Um, oh, I went an extended on, period. I went on there as, as part of my cricket club team. And, uh, and we, we, we eventually uh, lost in the final because I'd messed up a Rihanna question. And that's what Kerry's doing. Don't you look after Rihanna as well? No. Oh, but you've seen no. her lots, haven't you? I haven't never seen her live, no. Okay, you've got no. the albums. No. <laughs> no. If so, they'd have asked so me, you... if they'd have asked me about indie labels from the late nineteen eighties or Britpop or obscure Motown B sides, I would have smashed. Or it. Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, possibly Ju- Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber you would have so got. did you um your cricket club doesn't have a new clubhouse because of you? Pretty much we lost seven grand. Oh, and that hurt. It hurt. Yeah, it certainly didn't work. On the iPlayer, if you want it. Eggheads. It is. But it was yeah. it was good fun, you know, and look, those things. It just shows how difficult it is. People don't understand when you like on those quiz machines in pubs how pressurised that situation is. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's not a metaphor for how Chelsea season is going to go. They're going to throw away an eight-point lead at the last minute. Well, you know, that this is the fourth, the fourth time a team have had 55 <laughs> or more on points. Fourth time a team have had 55 or more points after 22 Premier League games. Uh, and Chelsea have done that three, three of those four times. Um, and no team have ever failed to win the Premier League title after picking up 55 points or more in their opening 22 games. So I think we're in a very strong position. Listen, nobody is going to be complacent. Got two really big games coming up against Arsenal and Liverpool, you know, which, which you know, frankly, we can afford to lose. We have the cushion. Um, but I think if we can get results in both of those games, that's going to you know, yeah. really solidify our position. But you know, the fact of the matter is we're eight points clear, 10 points clear of the other teams, 14 points clear of Man United. You know, we're in a really, really strong position. It's ours to lose. Can I just well, say on that as well, um, in terms of the position, how strong it is, that Leicester, obviously, we all know, eventual champions last season. Chelsea, 11 points better off than they were this time last year when Leicester were joint top with Spurs. So I think if you look at City, um, Liverpool and Spurs as it stands, they're about par for where you expect title contenders to be. So I think the position we're in now just outlines how good this team's been. Well, I suppose we should actually talk a bit about the whole game. Before we start, I'd just like to send our best out to Ryan Mason, um, who was in that horrific injury. Chelsea fan, Chelsea Ryan Mason. Fan. Yeah, yeah Chelsea is. fan, Ryan Mason. And yeah, it was, a, it was a, a horrific injury. You could hear it, couldn't you? Well, yeah, so they say. I didn't, but, um, but it, it, it looked nasty from where I was sitting. 
Yeah. Mm. Um, I wasn't amazed Gary Cahill got up so quickly. He must be made of well, granite. Did you hear Conte said they were worried about Cahill Yeah, but that first. was because after he was aware of what had happened to Mason and so it was emotionally, it, yeah, right. he wasn't right. It wasn't, it was misinterpreted that it was meant to be about his, his well-being, but it was more about his emotional state because he, obviously he was fully aware of the condition Mason was in from a completely accidental collision. And it was cool, wasn't it? Because Cahill, JT and Steve Holland went down yeah. to the hospital. Yeah, which is yeah. a really classy yeah. thing to do. In fact, yeah. I think, you know, the fans were classy. The medical team were excellent. They were brilliant. Think, the medical. Everyone knew what was going It was interesting, wasn't it? Because it was one of those moments. We see footballers roll around. And actually, a friend of mine was there with his American girlfriend. He's going, oh, but they're all such wusses and things. They yeah. don't, you know, they fall over at anything. And suddenly, when you see an actual serious injury... Everyone stops all that play well, acting in the As soon making. as they get the spinal board and the neck brace out, you know. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but the players out. themselves, when they saw what had happened, yeah. they immediately, all of them stopped. The Chelsea and the whole yeah. players all turned and said, this is serious. And, you know, they did a brilliant job sorting that out. I mean, is but, there an argument to say that, you know, that uh, Cahill should have been bought off as a precaution anyway, the concussion rule? I mean, you well, know, it depends should if they be, think he's concussed. Should it be up to the player to say, no, I'm all right, boss? No, they but, do the but test surely on him. what we should do is rather than journalists pouring scorn, it allow medical professionals to, to give a judgment there and then. They're the people that are, are trained in this area. They're the people that know Gary Cahill. And I'm sure the Chelsea physios weren't under pressure from you know, uh, Antonio Conte for him to, you know, to carry on playing. I think they make their decision there and then, and we should trust that decision. And he didn't black out. That was the no. point. The, the point was yeah. they, make, they, they do a, a series of tests. Fair enough. Tests now. Fair enough. It may be a little bit more stringent in rugby because they take them off the pitch and take them down into the medical room. From, but, but also as well, they're taking tougher blows to the head and they're, they're taking more consistent blows to the head. With, with footballers, well, I don't think you can get more of a tougher blow to the head. Yeah, but what I mean know. is more consistently in terms of, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're in rucks. But a blow to the walls. head is a blow to the head. I oh, know, I know. But what I mean is that consistently these, these rugby players are taking a, a heavy beating throughout 80 minutes, whereas in football, fortunately, what happened to Ryan Mason is a... An uncommon, you know, an yeah. uncommon Well, it event. is now that, on the whole, it's pretty much a non-contact sport in a lot of ways. So, yeah, so the the whole game, it, it was a strange old game. We looked as though we were playing well within ourselves. Hull set themselves up. I think you said they set themselves up in a in a, a system which everyone is now trying to play against us to sort of keep us out, aren't they? Yeah. Six at the back, yeah. I think it's um, it was a lack of tempo in the first half. I thought we, we, we looked a bit sluggish. And when we started to move the ball around a little bit quicker... Uh, it, it started to pay dividends a little bit. Um, you know, that, that goal by Costa in the, I think it was the 57th, 58th minute, that was the late, the latest goal uh, yeah, recorded the in the Premier League. of injury time. Oh, yeah, because of the injury time. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, is that right? Latest yeah, the the ever latest first... goal ever recorded since Optus started doing stats. In the first half. Yeah. But, you know... I like that one. A really, <laughs> a really nice goal for a lot of reasons. I thought, A, because we, we were really patient. I mean, you do get idiots in the stands just getting frustrated that we don't shoot and shoot and shoot. And it's like sometimes... We should having, be beating them 3-0. Having that patience to move the ball about and pull a team that are playing six at the back out of position and finding the gaps and finding the channels um, and, you know, finding the wide men to move the ball across. And the fact that, that Hazard dummied it beautifully and Costa just stopped. He just stopped and allowed people to run past him and gave himself that little half a yard of space. I thought it was an excellent goal. Mm. Well, it was a classic striker's goal in a way, in the fact, as a striker, you either move forward or you hold your position. And that's kind of, he did that latter thing and just fooled everyone and just waited. And it, it was just... And he wasn't doing it last year and he got no. criticised for not getting in the box and not finding those positions last year. And he seems to be much more intuitive in the way that he's moving this year. And they also know where he is. I think. Yeah. And it was, um, it was good from Vic Mo as well. What, what, 
What's interesting about that goal as well is the amount of late goals that they're getting in the first half that are changing games. You know, obviously the best example being Pedro against Spurs, which brought it back to one um, all, and then not go on to win the game two one. But um, yeah, it, it seems to be they have this knack for for staying switched on. You know, and I think a lot of that comes from the training that they're doing in terms of the intensity and you know, the way they're working in the week, and that they're not switching off. Whereas some teams are. You know, you could see that. I know it is Hull, and you know, greatest respect to them. They were probably looking for the half-time whistle anyway, thinking you know, they've done a good job in the first half, so they switch off at that one moment. What was interesting, I thought when Mason went off and Myler came on, Myler looked really good. And yeah, he started, he he started to them, boss think. the midfield a little bit. Yeah. I thought Kante was a, a bit of an unsung hero on, on Saturday. I, you know, I, love, I love the idea. Yeah. You know, I've heard that great quote about Drinkwater was in the England team last year because he had Kante either side of him. You know, it's, <laughs> it's such a great quote. I mean, because he did look as if he was just everywhere. Yeah. You know, he was bursting forward, he was sitting back, he was tidying up. I mean, he gave the ball away and it was like... What's going on? There, there, there must one, be the apocalypse. Kante's given the ball away. There, yeah. there was one moment, um, it was in the second half, and uh, Hazard had been fouled, and he was looking to get a free kick, and the, the referee didn't give it, and he waved play on. And everyone just seemed to stop, apart from the whole players, and they, they looked like they were going to counter, and out of nowhere, Kante just appeared and, and dispossessed, and then got Chelsea on the front foot again. And I just thought it was really interesting that you know the, the way he anticipates, the way he reads the game, it says so much, you know, for it. For not only the, his physical, the physical side of his game, but just in terms of how he is as a player, the way he reads it and his understanding of it, you know, that, that's what you want for a player in that area, just sniffing out the danger and yeah. obviously going out. And, and, and a word to Matic as well. I mean, Matic came in for a lot of criticism in the first half against Leicester when he just kept giving the ball away. I thought his, you know, his, his pass, tackling was his, good. His, in that his tackling game. His was good. Yeah, was his, his pass completion in the whole game, his uh, his movement, his. You know, his Matic-type play was back in place, I thought, then. Um, and the two fullbacks as well, the way they, they conducted themselves, I thought a lot. I mean, Alonso, all right, you know, that was a penalty. No doubt about it. That, that he yeah, away. But generally, I thought he was, again, another brilliant game mm. for him. Well, he's, he's excelled, hasn't he? You know, yes, we found a surprise but we've, in, in his attacking prowess. But in the last month or two... You've seen he's obviously been working his defensive duties as well. You know, I mean, he's understanding the space a lot better now. But those and those two sitting in front of those three, if you like, if you discount the five, uh, the two, the two fullbacks. I mean, it has made us incredibly solid. That's our thirteenth clean sheet in twenty-two mm. games. I mean, that's it's an amazing record. And th- this is a defence that we were all shouting, Selham, Binham, you know, goalkeeper, get rid of him. Why do we sell Peter Cech? You know, I mean, I think uh, 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 Courtois has got the best uh, clean sheet record of any goalkeeper in Europe at the moment. And this is a, a goalkeeper that people were calling for his head last year. Yeah. It's it, you know, I think if this season has taught us anything, it's it's that. You just got to give. You got to keep patience with these footballers. You can't just lose your shit in the terraces when things go a little bit wrong. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, form is temporary, class is permanent. You know, these players didn't become bad players overnight. They were put into a bad system. They maybe weren't motivated, but they've proved this year that they are all globally world class players. Although you would say he has actually fundamentally changed that that back line quite a lot. You know, no JT, no Ivanovic. You know, they've on the bench as well. On yeah, it's. it's but I'm, I think I'm referring mainly to uh, to Cahill and Courtois, who got pelters last season, yeah. and Matic to a degree. Yeah, you know, no, who well, got who got a, a lot of stick. Aspi didn't. I mean, Dave Dave was you know sort of almost um, almost got a pass on on last season because he was so good. Um, but certainly Cahill and Courtois, Matic, I think have proven that they are world class players. 
Yeah. How do you see this defence now? I mean, I still think it gets a bit shaky and we've escaped yeah. a few disasters along the way. Well, it's interesting you say this because I was going to ask about, just going on the point, we are talking about players in bad systems. And um, I think Conte is going to switch it. I think he's going to change it from the 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2. So I think you can notice against Leicester, he did it late on to about 15 minutes and he did it on Saturday as well. And I think he's adjusting it where we're going to start seeing that more often. And I think he's maybe doing it to bring Fabregas in. So how's he doing that? Well, how, explain late, late, how it works because... Yeah, so late on in games, you're seeing him... I think he's trying to... It's when games are all but one, if you see that he's starting to mess around with the system a little bit and he's putting it in practice in match situations to see how players react and to see what he can get out of certain systems. And it still works with um, Alonso and Moses on the wings, but then what you'd have is Kante, Matic and Fabregas, which he had on Saturday at the end of the game. He took off Pedro and, um, and, Hazard. and Hazard and kept Willian on up top with, with Costa. And I just think maybe moving forward as time goes on, I think what we might see is that defensive three still... But then Fabregas in there with Hazard and Costa as the front two. Yeah. I, I think he's trying, got a little run out as well. Yeah, he? I think, he, I think he's minute. trying to find a way of getting Fabregas back in that team because he knows the value of him. Well, that's well, right. And also, I mean, the, the, I was going to talk about Fabregas because it, it was very interesting that whenever you, we're sort of one up and you're looking for something, he immediately seems to be looking for yeah. a way to get Fabregas in the game because you know he is that kind of player who'll just put that pass in well, right or the cross in right. And there was a moment when um, Hazard got dispossessed and just didn't chase back and he just lost he lost his call on the sideline and the, that moment he just called, he said, Cesc, you know, come in straight away. And normally what happens is Steve Holland gets his flip chart out and they go over the tactics and then he goes on. But... Conte was not even wasting any time. He got him. He's like strip, strip. He's having a go at him to you know get undressed quicker. Yeah, he seems to have a lot of clothes on. Yeah, and then immediately, <laughs> immediately, cold? yeah, immediately, like he's hooking Hazard. But I think he's just looking for ways of trying to get him in that team. But I think he's there is that concern about playing him alongside another player in the centre where you're going to have the problems where Chelsea are going to get overrun. And I think that I could be completely wrong. It's just something I've seen the last few weeks that. He seems to be looking at a way where I think he wants to get Fabregas in this team long term because he understands the value of what you know he, he brings to this team. Because the way, way that game was going, I know it is only Hull and you need to stress that point, but the way the game was going, even against Leicester, he comes on and the control's there immediately. Yeah, I thought Hull were, were much, be- much better than Leicester. I mean, what I would say is Hazard had a real dip in the second half. He had a 15-minute period before he was hooked where he was really poor. Um, he'd shown flashes in the first half. He'd created a few things. He, you know, his his usual ability to turn on his sixpence and his little bursts of power were all there. In the second half, he just went missing for fifteen minutes. And on came Fabregas. Fabregas was only on the pitch twenty five minutes, but he completed all twenty four passes that he attempted and made two chances. He made obviously the goal for Cahill, but also the little thread through for yeah, uh, for Costa that he mm. that the goalkeeper made a good save from. But you know what an impact he made. I mean, you know, Fabregas sometimes he can float around a little bit and be ineffective. Uh, I know what you're saying, Gary, about about him affecting games I don't think he's right for every game I don't think he's right for every game I think sometimes if teams are playing a high press for example he's not necessarily the right player for it that's why I think maybe he's trying to look at how that a five man midfielder work because if if they're playing a high press it still takes Fabregas out of the equation so what you're doing is sacrificing an attacking player to get a player in that middle area that can feed those attacking players well that Liverpool game will be a high press yeah so are you saying actually in a way there's two ways of playing Fabregas you either play Fabregas in front of Matic and Kante or you play him behind really like a quarterback so he's not in that area where he's being asked to 
you know, be uh, a competitive, combative type of def- midfielder because that's not his game. So I think he's looking at ways of trying to get him back in this in this side because, you know, this is the manager that extended Pirlo's career. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. I, I don't think he was, he's going to play him in every game. Uh, and I think that if you look at the Spurs game where we got absolutely outmuscled in midfield, that um, that must have been a wake up call for Conte. And I think that there's no way. Fabregas can fit into that particular system against a team like that. No, I, I think that if you've got two in there, it's a, it's a especially what after what happened last season, it's really difficult to you know put a case across for Fabregas because you are losing that. You know, this this is English football still, and that traditional sense of you know wanting to kick lumps out of each other in midfield is a, is a big, you know, it's still it's still got big presence. You know, like you say about. Spurs, not only are they good players, Wanyama and um, Dembele, they're incredibly physical players. Yeah. And when you've got that, you know, they're the ideal midfielders that flourish in the English game and or in the British game, you know, especially with Wanyama with, with Celtic. But I just think now that he's, he's got this head of steam and he's getting the team where he wants it, this isn't the finished article for Conte. And I think that uh, the 3-4-3 three, three is, is, is going to change it. It might not go in the way that yeah. I'm suggesting it might, but I think he's certainly looking at ways of getting Fabregas off the bench and playing more. It's interesting, though, to see a manager experimenting, as it were, in yeah. the middle of games because he yeah. thinks he can get away with it. Yeah, but I think he's doing it at the right time when the yeah. game's won. You know, against yeah. Leicester, we, we, Chelsea were 3-0 up when he did it. And I, I know it was only 1-0 when, when Fabregas came on, but it was almost like a calculated risk, you know, because by that time, Hull were, were outrun, Chelsea were finding the pockets, and it was almost like bring Fabregas on now and he's going to be so effective, which he was. On the Fabregas, only two other players have got more assists in the Premier League than Fabregas. Do you know they are? What, uh, all time? Mm. Of all time? Yeah. Is it Lampard? In the Premier is League. Lampard one of them? Lampard is one of them. Who's the other one? Oh. Rooney? No. No, go on. He's on the same as Rooney. He's got 101 assists. Rooney's got 101 assists. Frank Lampard's got 102. And another player's got 162. God, that's a tough one. Ryan Giggs. It is Ryan Giggs. You're looking at my notes, obviously. I was just thinking of the game to get that amount of assists. You've got to be about about 109, yeah. Yeah, so Frank Lampard's got 102. (laughs) So one more assist from Seb Fabregas puts uh, him on level with Frank uh, for Chelsea. And obviously, you know, two more, he breaks the record for Premier League assists for Chelsea. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought he was absolutely superb when he came on. I mean, as I say, some games he comes on and he he drifts about and, you know, he looks a little bit lightweight and and, and a little bit slow. But certainly in, you know, the last couple of games, I think he's looked super. I think there's a lot, lot to be said for what Gary's saying. It'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah. So I suppose we should uh, have a quick look forward and do our prediction times, unless you want to do a round-up first. Well, just a little bit on the yeah. youth. Uh, there was Let's no first, no development squad game this week, no under-23s to report on this week. They're, they're away on Friday in the league against Arsenal. Uh, the under-18s cruised into the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup with a 5-0 win away at Birmingham City last Wednesday. They play Sheffield Wednesday at home in the fifth round. That was supposed to have taken place last night but was postponed, uh, presumably for a frozen pitch. Um, and their next league game is at home to Spurs on Saturday. Just one more stat that I wanted to uh, put forward. The Blues secured their 1,000th Premier League point at home in that game on Saturday. They've now got uh, 1,002 Premier League points at home, becoming the third club to reach four figures in that competition. See, I kind of they're the stats I like. They, they, That's interesting. They just yeah. give you a little bit of... Flavour. Just on the. Um, no, we've got what? A thousand? We've got a thousand. Uh, it's got to be United and, and Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Just on the youth as well, Fakayo Tomori's joined 
Brighton, isn't he, on, on loan? Which I think that's a, a good loan for him. Yeah, and well, they're pushing for promotion as well. So yeah, it's a good loan. Christian's Get a good bit manager. of taste of football, hopefully. Yeah, and also um, it'll be good football as well, but also brings our loan players back up to 36. Magic <laughs> yeah. number. Magic number. And good to see two old Chelsea boys doing quite well with Swansea, Paul Clement. And yes. I was really surprised to see Macaulay. Yeah, and obviously no. Jack Cork there as well. It was just amazing. Was was Agent Clement doing us a favour on Saturday. Absolutely that was brilliant. Great. But, that was um, a, a great result for them. Yeah, Liverpool look poor though. Yeah, I'm, I'm just worried that it's happened just before we play them and, yeah. and Klopp's managed well, to Well, they've got a cup game it. in the middle as well, haven't they? Yeah, so well, so Southampton this yeah. evening. Yes, well, they've got two cup games, haven't they? Yeah, and then they've got, they've got, yeah, they've got Wolves on Saturday. Right. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so we got the cup on Saturday. A nice little West London roust about with Brentford. I mean, that, that should be a bit of fun, shouldn't it? Agent Gary's going on the Brentford podcast, so we'll give that little pl- plug. It's Tomorrow. Called, it's called Be Sotted. Be so Brilliant. Be I like Sotted. That. Be uh, Sotted. Our friends Billy Grant and, uh, and friends that host that podcast. And um, they're in a pub being Be Sotted, Yeah, so they? I think Gary's going to have to go and drink all the alcohol on our behalf on that one. Looking forward to that, Gail? Yeah, it should be good. Um, I don't really drink, so I'll probably... We sent you on the Liverpool one as well, didn't we? Oh, and I went on it again last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Gary's our go-to special forces guy yeah, when it comes to going If you need Gary on. for anything, he'll do for mitzvahs, weddings, <laughs> podcasts, you name it, he's there. The problem is, when I go on these podcasts, Chelsea always lose, so... Gary gets to do the podcast. We get we got BBC Radio 5 Live, didn't we, Kerry? Oh, yeah, that's right, we did. National Radio. Haven't you done the bleach report as well, though? Yeah, I did the bleach report, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to help you. Look what he does. Trying to crack the American market. He slaps you. I can't believe he did that. So, yes. So, Brentford we've got coming up. That should be quite Big changes fun. in the team, do you think? He's got to, with Liverpool coming up on Tuesday. I think you're probably a few more changes than perhaps he would have liked. Who would you? Who do you think is going to come in? Chalabar, Zuma. Chalabar, yeah. Is yeah, um, going to get a game? Hey. Is she going to get a game? See, yes. This is what I will think will be really interesting. Just to go, I know I'm stressing this point, but I think he, he wants to play Loftus Cheek as a second striker, and it'll be really interesting to see if he starts Batshuayi and Loftus Cheek together because he did it against Leicester, where he bought I forget who he bought off, but he bought Batshuayi and Loftus Cheek on together when they went to the uh, the three five two, and um, it'd be interesting to see if those two play. Because he did it against Bristol Rovers. And interestingly, he said in his his uh, press conference last week that when they said, oh, we've got three other players up front alongside Costa, he said, no, four, there's Ruben as well. Yeah. So he obviously thinks of him as a front player. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be interesting if you go Could you see a back three of JT, Ivanovic and Zuma? No. I'm not sure he'll... I don't think he'll play... Uh, did Ake play maybe, in the maybe cup? Maybe he will. Oh, Ake. He didn't, Ake no, might, did Ake. he didn't play against Millwall when Bournemouth got... No, he didn't. Off, they so, kept uh, him out of the out. cup game. So, yeah, yeah, but he's, no, he's not, he's not cup-tied. I no, think so Ake not. will play. Ake so might play left full-back. Yeah. Ake, Zuma, and maybe JT, but... I think he'll play JT. I think he'll play yeah. David Luiz. He'll play, do you think he'll play one of them, Cahill or Luiz? I think he'll play David Luiz in the middle with Zuma and Ake. What about who's going to play right full-back? Well, he did Pedro in the first game against Posh. Hmm. Uh, sorry, Peterborough yeah. United for those. So think Pedro and William. Yeah, and then uh, Chaloba and um, who else in the middle? Kante maybe and Matic or Matic. Fab maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's variable. I think yeah. I think he'll have a, a good run around um, and, and work out a few things over the next few days because we've got Liverpool coming up. We won't talk about Liverpool next week because we'll be doing a podcast next Tuesday before yeah. the game. Okay. So. Um, so, yeah, I guess it should be an interesting side against Brentford. I think there'll be more youngsters in it than not, but I think some of the old faces will come back. I don't think we'll smash them. 
I think it'll be a. I, I think we'll win. I think it'll be two 0 again. I'm 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 I'm, I'm doing all right with the two nils at the moment. You can still go. You for can't that. go two oh, nil. Stop it, Kerry. I'll go three nil because you don't. If you want to go two nil, go two nil. I'll go three nil, so I don't feel like I'm being weak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for four nil. It'd be good to see Josh McEachern back at Stamford Bridge as well. The yeah. one that got away. Whatever well, happened to Josh? Got away. I'm saying no. He, what I mean by that is he could have been an excellent player, and then things got in the way, and mm. he didn't become a good player. Oh well, <laughs> there you go. Well, Chelsea standard player at least. Well, I'm sure he'll get a round of applause. Yeah, he will. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Andy. Thank you very much, Gary. And we'll see you all next week. See you next week. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.